0: Blue wire.
1: Touchdown pass, by 4 0
0: in the 5-0-4. Jackson takes it himself, look at him, dark back and forth, oh, he broke his ankles, he is Houdini. Watson stays on his feet. Welcome to another episode of the My Sports Update football podcast. I am your host, Ari Mayrov. The NFL draft happened, lives changed, it happened virtually for the first time ever, and it actually went pretty well. Roger Goodell was making picks from his basement, teams were working from home, Cliff Kingsbury shot off his place, we had coaches and GMs, children on our screens throughout the three days, and there were no technical difficulties, so all of that is pretty good. On this week's episode, we have two special guests as we recap the NFL Draft. First up, Dane Brugler, the NFL Draft analyst from The Athletic, comes on. I have so much respect for his work, and he was the perfect guest to recap the NFL Draft. And then also, Jordan Schultz of ESPN comes on again as well to share his thoughts on how it all went down over the weekend. All that and much more is coming up. Before we go to Dane and Jordan, a quick word from our sponsor, BetOnline.ag. With currently no NBA, no NHL, no MLB, you might think there is nothing to bet on. Well, you are wrong. Our exclusive partner betonline.ag still has hundreds of games and events and props to bet on. From their online casino to poker and blackjack, they are bringing Vegas to you. Missing the NFL? No problem. Bet online has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations that you can bet on. It is all open 24 hours a day and it is. Is all done online. Use the promo code BlueWire B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E to join today and receive your new welcome bonus. Ben online your online wagering solution. So now here is my discussion with Dane Brugler of The Athletic. If you ever wanted to know someone who knows every player in the draft from number one until the very last player, including the undrafted guys, Dane is your guy. He knows so much. He was the perfect guest for this week. So here it is, my full discussion with Dane Brugler. Joining me now here on the my Sports Update football podcast, he is an NFL draft analyst for The Athletic, one of the best at what he does. It is Dane Brugler. Dane, how are you? I'm doing well. It's a
2: fun weekend. Uh, You know, it's fun to, you know, instead of talking about where these guys might end up talking about, uh, you know, what makes them so appealing talking. Now we get to talk about where they've gone and, you know, how the fit works and examine how the draft played out. So uh, it's fun to be on the other side now.
0: Absolutely. So let's do just that. Let's get right into it. Now that the draft has wrapped up, we'll look at things and how it all went down. The first round got off to the way we really expected it to, with Joe Burrow going 1, Chase Young 2, and the Lions stood pat at 3, taking Jeff Okuda. The first real surprise, to me, happened in number 4, with the Giants taking Andrew Thomas. And I went back to check your draft guide, The Beast, and you had Thomas as your fourth-ranked offensive tackle. What were your thoughts on the Giants going in that direction?
2: Well, obviously it was just preference, um, and I liked all four of those guys. Uh, mm-hmm. They were all top 15 players for me. So um, you know, I, I think that Andrew Thomas is going to be a very solid pro uh, in this league. And uh, you know, obviously I preferred a different tackle. I would uh, Jedrick Wills to me was the top tackle in this draft, and so that was. You know, Part of the reason why I liked what the Browns did more than what the Giants did, but it's just it was just preference at that point. I still think Andrew Thomas is a really good player, and um, I, I give the Giants credit for taking the tackle and not going with maybe another uh, position. They went with the, not only a position of need, but a position I think is going to have uh, an effect on the rest of that offense.
0: Yeah, and I put out a tweet before the draft that if you ask 10 people to rank these top four offensive tackles, you'll get 10 different answers. That is how, you know, all over the map these offensive tackles were for all these different teams and their boards. Now, after the Giants made that pick, we had back-to-back quarterbacks with Tua going at five, Justin Herbert going at six to the Chargers. How do you see those two quarterbacks fitting in with their new teams?
2: I, I mean, I give the Dolphins credit as well because, uh, you know, it's, it's obviously a, it's a gamble, uh, with the medicals. You just don't know, is it, is he going to be able to hold up physically? Um, is he going to be able to start, uh, you know, the, throughout the life of his, of his rookie contract and there's so many ifs and, so you do worry about that, but at the same time, you gamble on high-end talent, and Tua is that. He is a high-end talent. So to uh, get him at the fifth pick, I thought it uh, was the right move and something that if it plays out, if it works out, great. If it doesn't, you know, you, you, you at least, you know, you took your shot. And that, I think that at the Dolphins, that's what they needed, they needed to do, was take their shot to, uh, you know, get a guy that – projects very highly in the nfl as long as he's healthy uh now with the with the chargers at six you know, we always we wondered going in was it as simple as they were going to draft the quarterback that the dolphins didn't and uh at least it, that's how it worked out uh with two going five they took herbert which i'm not the biggest herbert fan I, there is a, a a point in the first round where I would have said, okay, this is the value is too much. I'm not going to pass up on him here. There's just something missing from his evaluation. Um, you know, there's so much that's in his favor, 6'6", 240, really good athlete. Most guys that size are awkward with their movements, but not Justin Herbert. Really smart guy, 4.01 GPA. I think that translates to the field, but uh, he's not very quick-minded with, how he, with his approach. There's a lot of one-read throws. Uh, he's not consistently working the whole field. Um, you know, there's certain things about his game that really bothered me, especially when he's under pressure. I can't get that Arizona State tape out of my mind uh, when thinking about Justin Herbert. So I, I, I thought there's a little bit of a reach there, but I understand why the Chargers went that direction. Obviously, with uh, you know moving on from Phillip Rivers, Tyrod Taylor is your bridge quarterback, and it'll be interesting to see. Uh, you know, I, they're not. I don't think they should predetermine who's the starter, but you go into training camp. Let it be a battle. Hopefully there is a training camp. Let those two guys battle it out. And, you know, Justin Herbert can get on the field uh, when he's ready. And the same thing with Tua. You know, if he's not ready from day one, uh, you know, health-wise or just up to speed with, uh, you know, the coaching and, uh, you know, the uh, the playbook and everything, then, you know, they're in a good spot because they have Ryan Fitzpatrick and they have Josh Rosen. um, And, you know, neither of those guys will be pushed onto the field earlier than they should.
0: Yeah, so hopefully we have a training camp, but if we don't, both these teams do have quarterbacks in place to start the year with Ryan Fitzpatrick in Miami and Tyrod Taylor in Los Angeles so the other two guys could start the season on the bench. Now, after those two players came off the board, at number 7, the Panthers took defensive tackle Derek Brown out of Auburn. Now, during the entire pre-draft process, everyone kept on saying that new head coach Matt Rule is looking for speed. And that made most people think that they are going to take Isaiah Simmons, and Simmons was on the board for them, and they still end up taking Derrick Brown. Did you agree with that pick? Um, I understand it. Um, I, you
2: know, personally, if I was making the picks, I would have went Simmons. Uh, But I, you know, Derrick Brown was my seventh or eighth overall player, so right, right in the range where I thought he should have gone. And it's funny when I was when I was doing mock drafts, um, you know, the month leading up to the draft, uh, I'd always. I had a similar top six, but then seven and eight, I had Isaiah Simmons and Derek Brown, and I would flip-flop on, you know, who are the Panthers going to take and then who the Cardinals were going to take. And I ended up going, uh, Simmons seven, Derek Brown eight. And of course the uh, reverse happened, Mm -hmm. but with, you know, when you look at Matt rule, um, you know, he's, he's not looking at, okay, it's 2020 or bust. I mean, he's looking, at 2021, 2022, he's looking to build a team and a culture and do it his way. So Derek Brown, I thought, made a ton of sense when you think about building from the trenches. A guy that's a—I don't know that he's—you know—the reason I don't love Derek Brown, I really like him, but I don't love him is the lack of pass rush. He's a a good player, but that if I'm drafting a tackle in the top ten, I want a guy that's gonna get me—you know—six, seven. Uh, maybe even double-digit sacks, uh, you know, you can't expect Aaron Donald, but you can expect, you know, a little bit more than, you know, he had the most sacks he had in a season at Auburn was four and a half. So, um, I, I, you know, that part bothered me. But from a character standpoint, I, I 100% understand why they went that direction. And then for the Cardinals, you know, they drafted a quote-unquote hybrid linebacker in the first round a couple of years ago with Hassan Reddick. I just mm-hmm. – I hope they – figure out how to use isaiah simmons better than they did with Reddick. um now simmons is a much better player um but I, I think that he gives them a dynamic player on defense that uh they can if they use him correctly can really be a difference maker
0: so with that being said how do you envision simmons lining up on this cardinals defense because that clemson he really did a little bit of everything so how do you see him playing in the nfl
2: I mean, I think it just you have to have an open mind to uh, you know when during your game plan because I don't think it's going to be the same week to week. You're going to look at the opponent, and that's how it's that's going to dictate how you put them on the field. So you know if he's a linebacker on one snap. Then, you know, he's going to be spying the next dropping or covering the slot receiver the next. I think it really depends on how, you know, your opponent and how you prepare. And that's part of the intrigue uh, and the value of an Isaiah Simmons is the offense doesn't know what's coming because you are going to use him differently week to week. So, uh, you know, you're going to use him differently and it'll be tougher to game plan for a guy like that when you don't know what he's doing on a snap to snap basis because he doesn't have to leave the field. He can play. He can be a four down player. Um, And so that value of his ability to manipulate the defense or the offense, not only the quarterback, but the play caller, and then how that's going to affect the rest of the defense, that's, to me, that's the value of Isaiah Simmons.
0: Yeah, and when I tweeted out the pick that the Cardinals are taking Isaiah Simmons, I wrote that one week he could be spying Russell Wilson. The very next week he could be covering George Kittle. That is how versatile um, Isaiah Simmons is. The Cardinals are going to like using him as a chess piece on their defense. Now, moving on to another team here and the Las Vegas Raiders. They had two first-round picks in this draft. I'm curious to know what did you think of them taking Henry Ruggs as the first wide receiver off the board. And then Damon Arnett at number 19, which stunned me, stunned many people. I looked back at your guide. You had him as your number 69 player on your top 100 big board. So what did you think of Mike Mayock and John Gruden's first round?
2: Uh, loved Henry Ruggs. Uh, I mean, he was certainly deserving of a top 15 pick. And, you know, the, nobody knows the impact uh, um, uh, of a Tyreek Hill, um, you know, better uh, besides the Chiefs, but uh, better than most teams than the Raiders, having to face him twice a year. Mm-hmm. So the Raiders, what do they do? They went out and got their own Tyreek Hill, and you know, we'll see how it plays out for them and how they use uh, um, how they use rugs in their offense. But it should be interesting. Um, and you know, with the second first-round pick, I was one of Damon Arnett's biggest supporters during the season because I really liked what he put on film um kind of inside outside one of the best tackling corners in this draft um but then I heard how he rubs a lot of teams the wrong way um with his interviews with some immature moments things like that and so that's in a class like this of these corners where you know you've got so many I think the first two were uh you know pretty they they separated themselves Okuda and CJ Henderson but then Mm -hmm. you had a mixed uh mixed bag of these really talented corners where you're not sure how to separate them so Guys, uh, you know, like Jalen Johnson and uh, Jeff Gladney and AJ Terrell and Christian Fulton and Arnett was in that group, but because uh, some of the unfavorable uh, results from the interviews, that's what dropped him for me. That was the main reason that and the fact that he just didn't test very well. So when you're trying to nitpick these guys and, you know, who to put, put above who when they're very similar ranked, that's some of those things can play out. But, you know, Mike Mayock, John Gruden, they obviously didn't have the same, uh, you know, they didn't they didn't have that. They had good character reviews on him, apparently, because I don't think they would have drafted him that high if, if they didn't. So we'll have to see how it works out. I mean, I'm rooting for him. I hope he makes makes me look bad by, uh, you know, outplaying where I had him, had him slotted. Uh, but, you know, it's definitely an interesting pick.
0: Yeah really the only way for me to understand it is that the Raiders didn't have a second round pick. Their next pick was in the third round in the 80s so they probably thought they couldn't get Arnett there so they took Arnett in the first round. That's the only really way I saw it. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they just liked the player that much. But it did feel a little bit early. We'll see how that one pans out. Moving on to another team here and that is the Philadelphia Eagles. Now a lot of Eagles fans follow me. They're really passionate about their team. And they really wanted C.D. Lamb to come to them. Obviously he ends up in Dallas which was probably the worst possible outcome for Eagles fans. But the next wide receiver Eagles fans really wanted was Justin Jefferson, and they end up passing on Jefferson, and they take Jalen Rager. How will Rager fit in this offense, and did you agree with them passing on Jefferson?
2: Well, I mean, no. Personally, I I had Jefferson rated as the much better player. Uh, I mean, it's funny. I was talking to one of my uh, buddies with the Vikings the next day and asking, or just, you know, wow, Jefferson at 22, was such a great pick. And he said, we we thought there was 0% chance that the Eagles would pass on them. Like they didn't even consider, they, they were considering trading into the top 20 to get one of those top receivers because they didn't think one of the top four were going to fall to them. So it, none of those trades worked out and it turned out to be a good thing because Jefferson falls in a lap at 22. Um, and just, uh, you know, it, it's funny how the draft works out like that for, for, for a team uh, but you know I, I thought with the Eagles at 21 going with a Rager who didn't have a great season I mean the context obviously with a freshman quarterback and uh, that that affected his production and uh, the lack of uh, you know big time tape like he put on his sophomore film but he's an explosive player and I think it's they're going to be a learning curve for him in terms of uh, expanding his route tree being more consistent downfield with his ball skills but love the explosive athleticism, love his uh, his want to. I mean, he will not wait for the ball to get to him. He will go attack it in the air. So there are several traits that you point to with Jalen Rager and say, okay, yeah, that, that's what I want on my team. So certainly understand why the Eagles went that direction. Now, what is it what I have done? No, but I can understand their mindset.
0: How about Justin Jefferson? How does he fit in Minnesota's offense? Obviously, as you said, they are very surprised that they were able to get him and the Eagles passed on him. How will he fit into that offense?
2: Uh, you know, I, I think he's a, he's a guy that uh, played primarily in the slot. Uh, and so that's that, that was the biggest question mark with him is, uh, if, are you projecting him as uh, a guy that can play the X? Can he play outside? Um, or are you going to try to keep him inside to maximize his value? Because that's what we saw him do on tape. Um, he's a very, very, uh, tough receiver. So he works well over the middle of the field and he's got this savvy to him where he can set up defensive backs. He can use his footwork, uh, at the STEM to, uh, sell DBs on a pattern and, and then cut the other way. Um, that will have some drops, but for the most part, uh, really reliable hands. Um, and so he is he's just a really uh it's hard to find holes in his game and you know before the combine it was like well is he really fast enough and then he goes out runs in in the mid mid to low four fours and Mm -hmm. so the more you watched him the more you're just like okay I, I you know I'm trying to poke holes in this guy but I can't do it like he just doesn't have a ton of areas where you're just really worried about him I think the biggest the biggest thing was just can he play outside which is there's a little bit of a projection there but Um, At that point, in the back half of round one, absolutely. Love love the value the Vikings got.
0: Absolutely. So do I. Justin Jefferson, number 22, as you said, is something that the Vikings were not expecting to happen. They take him. He will be... Um, part of the replacement for stefan diggs in that offense now speaking of the vikings let's talk about their division rivals the green bay packers their first round pick created the most headlines when they traded up for jordan love the quarterback out of utah state first of all are you convinced that going quarterback was the right direction for the packers and then number two just tell packers fans what are they getting in jordan love
2: A quarterback that is just oozing with natural talent. Um, You know, not only does he have the size, uh, but his arm is top shelf. uh, He has quick feet and he does throw with anticipation down the field. Um, It's just when you watch him, there's, he just makes some decisions that you're just kind of you're left scratching your head saying like, okay, what are you, what are you seeing here? Like you're, are you making up your mind before you the ball comes off your hand and you're just being stubborn about it? Are you, I think a big part of his tape is he was pressing because he, you know, a a brand new coaching staff, uh, one returning starter on offense. And meanwhile, he's hearing the buzz that he might be a first round pick. So he felt the need to really live up to that. And so he's forcing throws, forcing throws, his team, Needed him to make a play, so he's trying to make it, and you just need to reel him back. And so there, there will be a learning period, an adjustment where he, they need to develop that and get that out of his mind, and um, you know, really work on him. But there are a lot of things when you watch his tape that say, okay, this guy is going to be a big time quarterback. And so the the Packers pick it's tough because I I get it, I understand because the Packers they're thinking about the long term of the franchise and to you're not going to pass on a quarterback. That's not like they reached on a quarterback. They took a quarterback. I I think, I mean, he was ranked number 20 on my board. So a guy that I didn't think was a reach at all. He, he, in a lot of ways, he fell to the Packers. So you can understand that mindset. Um, But then also this is a team that was in the NFC championship game last year. I mean, you can make the argument that Aaron Rodgers has at least three good years left, if not more. So you know, why aren't you trying to build this roster and go for it now? You know, try to get over the hump of the NFC Championship game into the Super Bowl. So, you know, I can understand both sides of it. Um, you know, it is it is a really interesting test case that we'll have to see how it plays out.
0: Yeah, and I know many Packers fans were not happy about the pick. If you look back at the numbers and the history, before Jordan Love, the last time they used a first-round pick on an offensive player was in 2011. The last time they used a first or second round pick on a wide receiver was in 2014. And now here they are in 2020 and they're using a first round pick on a quarterback instead of a wide receiver in a loaded wide receiver class or a different position to help Aaron Rodgers. Instead, they go and take his potential successor. Now, one last first round pick I want to talk about. He was the last first round pick in this year's draft. It is Clyde Edwards-Hilaire going to the Kansas City Chiefs, the LSU running back. Talk about him and how he fits into Andy Reid's offense. It looks like the rich is getting richer. Talk about him a little bit and what he will do for that offense.
2: Well, he, he might have been my favorite pick in the entire draft just because mm-hmm. uh, you know, he he the guy that I comped him to during the season was Brian Westbrook. And so it was just a perfect fit for Andy Reid who had Brian Westbrook all those years in Philly. To get his own version of a Brian Westbrook, and maybe even a better version of Brian Westbrook. Um, it's, I tell you what, if it, for those that play fantasy football, pick this guy up in your PPR leagues because he's going to get a ton of targets, uh, catching the ball in the backfield. Um, should get plenty of steady work, uh, both as a rusher and a receiver, and he's just a productive guy. He's what I love about uh, edwards Alaire is he's a master of the hidden yards, which uh, most running backs will get four yards. He'll, get, he'll find a way to get seven, whether it's breaking tackles, running low to the ground, uh, you know, just spinning off contact. He finds a way to get a few more yards. So, but that makes a big difference. So instead of second and six, it's second and three. So that um, changes the way you, you set up your offense and the, and the calls that you make. So uh, you're right about the rich getting richer with that backfield and what it already had to add a talent like this. Uh, it's just kind of, you know, good luck to the rest of the AFC West.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned Brian Westbrook. I'm not sure if you saw this, but after the first round came to an end, GM Brad Veach told reporters that the player he compared Edwards Hilaire to is Brian Westbrook, and when he told that to Andy Reid... Andy Reid said, Hilaire is better than Westbrook. So some super high praise. And when you think about that, it is pretty scary what the Chiefs offense will look like next season. Now let me ask you some general questions here. The most questionable pick in round one was?
2: um, You know, I think Damon Arnett, that we, we covered that a little bit. And I think, yeah. I think he's a good player. But to take him top 20, obviously that was a surprise. Uh, Jordan Brooks uh, out of uh, Texas Tech. I, taking him over patrick queen i thought that was a surprise um you know i i, I like brooks um i had him rated i think he's a late 2 early 3 and they, they they took him late 1 so a little bit earlier than i had him graded but still a good player uh, but it's more the fact that they took him over patrick queen just one of the most explosive players in this draft so to me that was one of the more questionable picks
0: okay now what about overall which team which general manager had the best overall draft in 2020
2: uh, well, and you know, I, I have this up on the Athletic, but instead of draft grades, what I do is just list my favorite uh, classes one through thirty-two, mm-hmm. and the top three for me: uh, the Ravens at number one. So Eric DaCosta and everything that he did. Uh, you know, they the, the Ravens are just masters of allowing the really good players fall to them, and you know, Patrick Queen in the first, J.K. Dobbins in the second. They had four third-rounders, and they got terrific value. Getting James Prochet in the sixth, Geno Stone in the seventh. Are you kidding me? So I thought the Ravens and Eric DaCosta just knocked it out of the park. And then my number two and three teams are the Cowboys and the Browns. Um, you know, with the Cowboys, you've got uh, Will McClay pulling the strings behind the scenes uh, with the Jones family and, you know, to get CD Lamb where they got him. And Travon Diggs at 51, a player they considered at 17 uh, if, if Lamb wasn't there and Chase on wasn't there. That, that was a player they might have taken. And uh, then I love what they did on day three with Reggie Robinson and Bradley and in the fifth, just tremendous value. And then the Browns, Jedrick Wills at 10, thought that was the best, uh, best tackle in the draft. Mm-hmm. Grant Delpit uh, in the second round uh, is that free safety they've been missing. And then love the third round talent, Harrison Bryant's going to come in and uh, compete for snaps with David Njoku Joku uh, to kind of compliment Austin Hooper. Uh, Nick Harris is an undersized center, but uh, this guy can play in the league. He's going to start games, uh, not immediately because the Browns are kind of set there, but uh, just the value became too much for them to, to pass on him in the fifth. And then Donovan Peoples-Jones, uh, a, a traits-based athlete who's still trying to figure everything out, but uh, size, athleticism, uh, there, there's a lot to work with there. Develop him at the back end of your roster and let him move up that chart and see what he can do. So love what those three teams did.
0: You know, you mentioned a lot of these late round guys that those three teams got. Who was a player that you were surprised to see slide and end up going later than expected?
2: Um, There were definitely a few. I I thought Curtis Weaver, um, him falling to the fifth round in Miami, that was a surprise. I thought he I did. I did did not love Curtis Weaver. It's phony. Whenever you talk to someone in the NFL about Curtis Weaver is, oh, bad body, bad body. Uh, and he's not a great athlete. There's a reason he did not run the 40 yard dash at the combine, but this guy, you watch him, uh, double digit tackles for loss each of the last three years. Uh, nobody in the mountain West has more sacks in a career and it just, he's an aggressive, energetic rusher uses his hands well. So for him to fall all the way to the fifth, I understand why he fell out of, you know, the top uh, two rounds. I, I, he he was, I, I totally get that but the fallout of the third and then the fourth and then going to go in the fifth, just a, just tremendous value there. Um, KJ Hill in the seventh. What are we doing? Wow. Uh, KJ Hill. Yeah. Four, six athlete. I get it. But uh, the all time receptions leader at Ohio state, you line up, and he's a slot only player. So not for everybody, but you line him up in the slot His route running his ball skills. Um, let him uncover and he'll, he'll get you first downs. Um, not going to be a game breaker, but he's going to do what he did at Ohio state. And that's just move the chain. So uh, surprised that, you know, those two players especially fell as far as they did.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned KJ Hill going to the Chargers that late, which was a big surprise to me. We know how deep this wide receiver class was, and we saw last year some wide receivers going, you know, in the second round, we had A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf. In the third round, we had Terry McLaurin. In the fifth round, there was Darius Slayton all those guys had productive rookie seasons. This wide receiver class again, it's very loaded. A bunch of receivers went in those second, third, fourth and later rounds, which wide receiver drafted after round 1 could have that type of impact for their team.
2: Um yeah, and that's a, it's a good question because of how much we talked about this receiver class and how stacked it was, how deep it was. And so Uh, I think we're definitely going to see some of these receivers uh, make immediate impacts. You know, and I think one of the guys that I look to is uh, with the jets getting Denzel Mims in a second round, they, that wide receiver depth chart in New York, it it needs a little bit of help. And so I think Mims has a good chance to sting the field early in his career. Um, And so it's going to be interesting to see if he can, because he needs to get a little bit better with his routes needs to be more consistent uh, in terms of eliminating the drops but they're going to look to get him involved, and he's got the length, the ball, the ability to, uh, you know, catch the ball outside his frame and turn some of those errant passes into completions. Uh, so I think Sam Darnold, uh, you know, that that could be something we see. Um, like KJ Hamler in Denver, you know, Jerry Judy is going to be that route runner who's going to start from day one. Him and Cortland Sutton are going to be fun to watch. But KJ Hamler, they're going to get involved some way, somehow, Uh, whether it's just going to be jet sweeps or, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, simple slants over the middle of the field that you try to uh, give him a runway and just let him use that speed. So uh, Hamler, Denzel Mims, you know, some of those round two receivers, I think we're going to hear about as rookies.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So those are some names to watch whenever football season does start. Last question for you here, Dan. And again, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast today. With the draft now in the books, which team in the NFL do you consider to be the up-and-coming team?
2: That's, that's, that's a tough question. I, yeah. I do think that, um, you know, the, obviously I think the, the easy answer here might be the Tampa Bay Bucks because of what they did with Tom Brady, bringing him in. And, you know, it's a ready-made roster um, with the offense, the, the talent they have at receiver um, you know, they have, uh, with Tristan Wirfs, uh, adding him to the fold at right tackle, you've got an offensive line that I think is good enough. And then they've got some, some dudes on defense, um, you know, an up and coming secondary with the guys they drafted last year, they've got some playmakers in the front seven. So I, I think the bucks would fall into that category. But again, I think that's kind of low hanging fruit with, uh, Um, you know, what they've been able to do. um, Part of it is it's the quarterbacks. um, And, you know, it's one aging quarterback to another, Indianapolis Colts, with they adding Phillip Rivers. I think they're in position with a Jonathan Taylor, with a Michael Pittman. um, You know, they added two guys that I think are going to help immediately on that offense. Um, So I think that the Colts are one of the – in the Tampa Bay Bucks, two teams that didn't make the playoffs last year. Who are, are going to be in that mix this year? Um, I think you may even throw the Raiders in that mix as well, with the additions they made this offseason. season uh, If they can get consistency from Derek Carr, uh, I think they have. Uh, they, you know, with Josh Jacobs, uh, you know, entering his second year, you add a Rugs to that mix. You add, um, you know, someone with the additions they made at linebacker on defense. You, you hope you see better production out of a Cleveland Furl. Uh, Max Crosby takes that next step I think the Raiders could be another team that uh, you know didn't make the playoffs but could potentially push for a wild card spot next year
0: yeah I'm there with you on the Raiders as well I feel like they could take a jump up next year with all the young talent they have also keep an eye on the Arizona Cardinals of what they've done so far this offseason especially if Kyler Murray could take a second year leap like Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson did in their second year. So hopefully we could get football back sooner rather than later. We have a full season and everything goes as originally scheduled. Dane, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast today. Keep up the great work. Stay safe and we'll chat again soon.
2: Thanks. Looking forward to it, Ari.
0: Alrighty, so that is Dane Brugler of The Athletic. Great stuff from him. Now here is my discussion with Jordan Schultz of ESPN as we continue to talk about the draft and what happened over the weekend. A lot of great stuff from him as well. Alrighty, joining me now here on the My Sports Update football podcast. He was here with us last week for the pre-draft episode. He is here with us this week to recap the NFL draft. It is Jordan Schultz of ESPN. Jordan, how are you?
1: All right, doing well. How are you?
0: I'm doing well. The draft happened, and it went well. I mean, I'm actually really impressed with how everything went down.
1: You know what's so cool is like, the virtual draft seemed like uh, it could go so long in so many different ways already, but it went really well. And I, I just, I'm wondering now how, uh, how teams will view scouting and drafting moving forward and, and whether or not this, this successful draft will make it so like, okay, we don't have to go to this pro day. We don't need to go to the senior bowl. Uh, we don't need to have this kid come visit. I, I, I just, I, there's no doubt it'll change things. I'm not sure how much, but, The fact that it went so smoothly and we didn't have really any issues um, was, was great.
0: I'm right there with you, Jordan. And in fact, Bob Quinn of the Lions told reporters that the way we handle this year's draft process will change what happens in future years because he said he learned that instead of staying up late in the office for late hours and studying film and all that, he could do it at home. He could do it virtually. He could use Zoom. And There are a bunch of other people in the NFL who agree with that, and I do think it will change the way the draft will happen in future years, the way the pre-draft process is handled by teams, and the way that the draft itself will happen. I do think the NFL will change some things up. It will go to Cleveland next year. It will be in Vegas in 2022, but I do think this will change some stuff in other areas of the draft. Let's get into the draft, and obviously we saw a lot of surprises. We expected to see what happened. At one and two joe burrow to the Bengals, chase young to the, to the redskins and number three jeff okuda we expected that to be the pick if the lions don't trade out they didn't and number four is where the first surprise came the giants go with andrew thomas at number four instead of the other tackles and instead of isaiah simmons were you surprised like some other people were
1: i was but then i started to think about okay what do we know about dave gettleman for one he loves the, the hog mollies, right? He wants to pro- to protect his investment in Daniel Jones. I know Daniel Jones is really happy about it. That, that's enormous. So you know, I'm not shocked that he didn't take Isaiah Simmons. The fact that he took Thomas, I think with Thomas, you're getting someone that the comparison that I heard from a couple of people around the league was like, he's kind of like a double, you know, maybe, maybe he'll be a triple, but you know, you think about Tristan Worf's better athlete, you know, really, really high upside, but you know, not necessarily the highest or is high a floor with Thomas. You have a really high floor and maybe a solid ceiling. So I, I like to pick a lot. I like Andrew Thomas. I think he's a great kid. You know, he, you know, he's just, he's one of those kind of a Renaissance man. I think he'll do really well in New York having gone to Georgia and, you know, started three years in the sec over 40 games. I, I think he's a, uh, I overall, I, I do like to pick if I'm a giant.
0: Yeah. And Thomas is the one guy who everyone kept on telling me is the surefire offensive tackle. He has the fewest knocks. Right. So he is the pick for the Giants and number four, the first offense tackle to come off the board. The quarterbacks happen next, and I'm curious to know what you think about the Dolphins draft. They took Tua at five. They take their future left tackle out of USC in Austin Jackson, and then they trade back a few spots and take Auburn cornerback Noah Igbenagany. I've been working on that name, Noah Igbenagany, at number 30. What did you think about the Dolphins draft and how they did with their three first-round picks?
1: So... For me, you know, the Tua pick was the right pick. I, I think Justin Herbert's really solid. But Tua Tungavaloa to me, has, you know, a generational type of talent. The only the only reason he wasn't, you know, thought of as the sure thing is, is obviously the injuries. You know, we know about the hip problems. He's not super big. He's only six feet. But the fact that he throws such an unbelievably accurate ball, Ari, and that he's obviously performed on the biggest stage. He had a glowing endorsement from Nick Saban um I think he's I think he's the future for Miami and the only thing I would say if you're the Dolphins if you're Brian Flores is in your Chris career is just you know sit him there's no rush you're not going to contend right now you'll be better the defense is better but you have Fitzpatrick there allow him to play see what you can do this year in terms of development and allow Tua the time his body needs to heal and then he can come back maybe and be your starter in year two um austin jackson out of usc i I like him i'm a pac 12 guy so I'm, i'm definitely have a soft spot for him i really athletically he's he's awesome what he needs to work on is becoming that anchor um getting more physical a little stronger but he's got all the tools and then is physically really impressive he runs well um he's not as technically sound and i don't i don't know like i'm not someone that's like studying corners per se this is just off of conversations around with with some scouts and a couple executives, but he's a, he's a solid player, Ari.
0: Yeah, Jordan, and I feel like the Dolphins are the one team in the NFL that should be watched very closely moving forward. It's not going to happen in 2020, but in 2021, they have two more first-round picks, two more second-round picks as well. They have draft capital. I love Brian Flores, their head coach. I think he's the real deal. I like what they did in free agency with some of the moves, adding Byron Jones, pairing him up with Xavier Howard. Tua to Tagovailoa. if he is the real deal... This team is a team to watch for years to come. For the first time in a long time, I really like what the Miami Dolphins are doing. So I'll be watching them very closely. Let's move on in this draft to number 7 with the Carolina Panthers. And I mentioned this with Dane Brugler, who was the guest before you, that in the entire pre-draft process, the thing we kept on hearing about the Panthers is is that Matt Rule wants to add speed to his defense. And they had a chance to draft Isaiah Simmons, they pass on him, and they take Derek Brown. What were your thoughts on the Carolina Panthers going in that direction at number seven?
1: I love Derek Brown. Um, you know the SEC's on a ton. You, you know we see Auburn a lot. If you watched Auburn at all, especially this season, you, you, you can't take your eyes off of Derrick Brown. I mean, he is an absolute game wrecker. Um, and he's someone kind of like in that mold of an Andrew Thomas that has a lot of interest and does a lot of things really well off the field. He's a great football player. And from what I can understand, a really good kid, works really hard, has gotten better every year. And, you know, he's someone that can do everything, like three downs. He'll pass rush. He'll play the run. And if you think about what, you know, the Panthers have done um, or the Panthers have lost this offseason, obviously, you know, no Greg Olson, no you know Keeley, uh, who else, Addison, uh, Bradbury, you know, they, they need help. And Derek Brown is one of the premier defensive tackles, I think, to come into the draft over the last minimum five years. Um, and the fact that he plays so hard and then you pair him with um, – Gross, Matos, and and uh, and Jeremy Chin, who at Southern Illinois, who's a really good safety. I love those picks. And I think it's ironic that Matt Rule, who is this offensive mastermind at Baylor, recognized how important his defense, um, and how important it was for him to build his defense. So I, I actually love what Carolina did. I think they did some really good things in this draft. And um, Derek Brown, to me, was a home run pick.
0: Yeah, and the Panthers had seven picks in this draft. All seven picks going to the defensive side of the ball. That says a lot. And the thing that I keep on hearing about Derek Brown is that he is a complete player who is capable of making an impact on all three downs. He will make a difference on day one. For Matt Rule and the Carolina Panthers. Let's move on now to number 10. Where the Cleveland Browns were picking. No trades yet. The Browns go and take Jedrick Wills out of Alabama. Who some believe is the best offensive tackle in this draft. Now I look at this Browns team. And what they've put together this offseason. By adding Wills. And signing Conklin. And signing Hooper. And hiring Stefanski as the head coach. Is this the year where enough is enough? There is no excuses for Baker Mayfield.
1: Yes, this is a this is a massive year for Baker Mayfield for a lot of reasons. Uh, you know he's gotten in better shape. Okay, well now he doesn't have Freddie Kitchens. Okay, so let's see what he can do with a revamped offensive line, another weapon in Austin Hooper, uh, another year for that defense to mature. I think like I was really high in Italy on Baker and the Browns last year, and I jumped the gun, and I and I. I think I overestimated or underestimated just how um, you know poor of a job Freddie Kitchens would Freddie Kitchens would do as the lead guy. This is just a massive year for the Browns for so many reasons, and the fact that you bring in uh, Wills, who t- like that guy, dominated the SEC, and you know physically he's a man, and you you see him and you see like obviously comparisons will be made to Joe Thomas. I don't know if that's fair because Joe Thomas is one of the best ever to do it, but the fact that Joe Thomas gave him an endorsement that tells me all I need to know. There's a lot of pressure on Baker. I do think he'll figure it out, and I do think the Browns, much to the uh, chagrin of my uh, or much to the delight of my uh, co-host on the Pull Up Pod, CJ McCollum, I do think the Browns will be a lot better this year.
0: Yeah, and I agree with you. They have to be better. I mean, listen, last year the excuse was the head coach; he's no longer here. The offensive tackles—you have two new ones. One you paid a lot of money. Conklin, one, you- yeah invested top 10 pick you got to improve this year you have Nick Chubb you have Kareem Hunt you have OBJ you have Jarvis Landry you have Hooper and Njoku the offensive line is fixed up this is the year where it really has to improve and keep this in mind Jordan that the general manager and head coach who drafted him they're no longer there so he really has to have a big year this year or else who knows what could happen to him I want to move on to the next pick and number 11 and you just had Gary V who's a big Jets fan on your Instagram live Talking Jets football, Mekhi
1: Becton, yeah. yeah.
0: The Jets took Mikay Becton at number eleven, a big guy, big family. What do you think of that pick? And overall, what do you think of Joe Douglas's first draft as a general manager? So Becton, he
1: to me, I, I so I, I don't like again. I'm not sure I'm like the best evaluator of offensive tackles because it's such a hard It's one of the hardest positions to evaluate. But Mikhail Becton, you know, he he has from a physical standpoint. I think he was. I think he measured six eight, three sixty four. He's an incredible athlete, Ari. And the one thing we know about the offensive being an offensive lineman, offensive tackle in today's game is you got to be really quick. You got to be really athletic. That's why Worst went so high for Iowa. And you got to have a mean streak. And I, you know, the ACC doesn't have the best competition. But if you if you go back you, you go back and watch Beckton, especially in pass protection, he's really good. And the the, the term you hear more is like. He's got to be more of an anchor. He's got to get a little stronger, um, you know, better base. But listen, the guy's 21 years old. He was pretty dominant throughout his his entire career at Louisville. Once he really got himself in the type of shape that's necessary at this level or at that level, especially now. So if I'm a Jets fan, the fact that we address offensive line for Sam Darnold is just massive. Like that was a that was not only the best the best thing we could do for the for the short term, but I think the long term. Is uh is absolutely the the right the right pick. Um, Ashton Davis was someone that Gary mentioned as well as like his favorite player in the draft. That was awesome to hear. So we'll I'll have to see, we'll have to see if he plays nickel or safety. But I liked him. Bryce Hall to me, I'm gonna put out a list tomorrow of sleepers on my Instagram in terms of videos. I think Bryce Hall last year would have been a first round pick. He gets hurt, but dude, this guy had. I, I was talking about this earlier. I think he had the number one completion percentage or incompletion percentage against throughout all of fbs in 2017 and 2018 really long arms just like 33 inch arms can run is athletic dude i think that was a home run pick in the first round and um who else oh and mims you know baylor baylor denzel mims was considered one of the best overall athletes in the whole class and you know he was kind of in that air raid deal and i know that there's not a lot of great DBs in the Big 12. But physically, he matches up against anybody to come out of the draft. So I, I'm excited to see him. And I think in a normal draft, he would have been a top 20, top 25 pick. So fascinated to see that. Uh, whom else? I oh, they got P Ryan too. So I like the Jets draft. I think Joe Douglas did a really good job in year one.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned Denzel Mims. I think the one thing that I took away from this Jets draft is they actually have a general manager for the first time in a long time. Because what Joe Douglas did in this draft was really impressive to me where he had the second-round pick, and was on the board, and he trades back 10 spots or 11 spots, adds another third-round pick, and he still gets his wide receiver. Then he trades back again in the third round, adds two more fourth-round picks as well. Really this is yeah. something that Mike McKagan would not do. This is something that John Idzik would not do. So if there's something that the Jets fans should really be excited about, is first of all, they actually have a better offensive line because of the pick. And then secondly, they have a general manager who knows what he's doing. It looks like he knows what he's doing. So Jets fans should have a reason to be excited with what they have going there. Let's move on a little bit more over here, and let's talk some wide receivers because we haven't done that yet. And last week you were on the podcast, we talked about the wide receivers, and you said Justin Jefferson should be in that conversation with the top three Mm -hmm. guys. And I told you Eagles fans would be ecstatic to draft him (laughs) if they get him at 21. Harry Roseman had the chance to draft him. And he passed. He took a different receiver, TCU's Jalen Rager. What were your thoughts on the Eagles passing? Wow, on my, thoughts for a while. my thoughts were
1: wow. My thoughts were wow. So there, the there's a lot to unpack there because I don't know what the Eagles were doing drafting Jalen Hurts, but that's a whole, That's a whole other deal. Yeah, Jalen Jalen Rager at TCU is he's one of the fastest guys in the draft. Massive big play guy. Um, you know, good hands. You know, but there's a reason why he wasn't graded as high. Justin Jefferson. I mean, I don't want to just run through the same numbers again, but if you look at it, he, let, he tied for the FBS lead in receptions, 18 touchdowns, dominated the college football playoff, had over 220 yards and four touchdowns against Oklahoma, and does everything, you know, lines up in the slot. You can everything. use him as a Y. He, 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 he's tough. He's got size. He ran 4-4. Everything you'd want in a receiver, really good kid. I, I was shocked that they didn't take him. And, again, I like Jalen Rager, but I was shocked. So that was a big surprise to me. And meanwhile, Minnesota, you know, they, they don't have, obviously, they trade digs. Now they get Jefferson who's going to come in and instantly be the perfect complement to Adam Pheelan's. So I'm excited for Jefferson to be in Minnesota. I think Kirk Cousins is going to love throwing to him because he's got great hands, high points, can run after the catch. Like I said, does everything.
0: Jordan, you should have seen my mentions on draft night. When I tweeted out the pick, Eagles are taking Jalen Rager and passing on Justin Jefferson. Eagles fans were flipping out. I mean, it was something to see. Flipping I saw out. some of
1: them. Yeah, they, they, were, were they were going crazy. But flipping out. They were going crazy. They were going crazy. Again, Rager's a really good player. But, you know, Jefferson, like I did the, I did the Instagram live with DK Metcalf. And, you know, like I'm going to trust DK Metcalf as much as anybody when looking at a receiver. I asked him, who's the guy you love in this draft receiver? Justin Jefferson was the guy you mentioned. For the same reasons. That's does everything. And again, you know, you want these big play guys that show up at big games. That's what he is. So awesome pick for Minnesota. Um, I do think Rager going to be a good player, but I was shocked that the Howie Roseman didn't pull the trigger when he had, when he could have a 21.
0: Yeah. And DK is not alone. DK is not alone on that. I've heard that from many people that Justin Jefferson is an elite wide receiver in this class and he deserved to be in that conversation with the other guys. It stunned me just as much as it stunned you when the Eagles decided to go in a different direction and go with a different wide receiver. We'll see how that one goes. That is a storyline to watch for the 2020 season. Let's stick in the NFC East here. Another wide receiver, C.D. Lamb going to the Dallas Cowboys. It shocked me when it happened. The fact that he dropped to the dallas cowboys what were your thoughts on him heading to dallas to jerry's world
1: unreal, unreal. yeah unreal. unreal i i i if i find the cowboys i can't believe that he came in or he fell into a And i don't think even in their wildest dreams sorry that jerry jones and and that entire organization believed he would be there i mean they didn't even bring him in for a visit you know they, they didn't even believe he would be there really and i don't think anybody did so what an unbelievable pick cd lamb one of the most like, overall, I think when you think about receivers and, and who's been in the draft the last, let's say, 10 years, he, he matches up from an athletic standpoint, a skill standpoint, explosiveness, as much as, as well as anybody I think I've ever seen. I mean, the only knock on CeeDee Lamb was he's not necessarily the strongest guy. He's a little more slight. But he's he's a he's a monster, and I was talking to Spencer Rattler, who's going to be a stud at quarterback for Oklahoma the next several years. He was a monster recruit himself, and he said CeeDee Lamb is a beast, uh, brings it every day, works. And I had the opportunity to spend some time with Jerry Jones before the combine, so a while back, and he was raving about CeeDee Lamb. Then you know the explosiveness, the the fact that he could high point it, everything you want in a receiver. So now you bring in him, you put him alongside Gallup. Who, who, and obviously Cooper. Like, who are you gonna single? Are you gonna Are you gonna single team? Are you gonna Are you not gonna be able to double CD? You know, he could he he could have thousand yards in his first season easy. And then you think about um uh uh, uh what's his name Jarwin Blank Yeah, Blake yeah. I mean they like him a lot. And then and then you think about Ezekiel Elliott. Dak's gotta be. I think I think the two happiest quarterbacks in the league on draft day or draft weekend were were Dak. And Drew Locke, because obviously Denver goes out and gets Hamler and uh, Jerry Judy to match up with Sutton and fans. So those two guys gotta be ecstatic.
0: Yep, yeah, and we'll get to Jerry Judy in a second. I wanna tell you, I don't know if you saw this, but Jerry Jones, you know how much he loves CD Lamb? I'm not sure if you saw this, but he wants CD Lamb to wear number 88 in Dallas. And CD wants to wear number ten. He's like, no, I want you to wear eighty-eight, like Michael Irvin and Drew Pearson and Des Bryant. That's I didn't how much even I see like. that.
1: That's, that's, that's that says everything you need to
0: know. That's everything you need to know about how much he loves CD Lamb. You want him to wear number eighty-eight, which historic wide receivers have worn that in Dallas. Yeah. Let's now, let's that's talk. That's awesome. A, let's let's talk a little bit about Jerry Judy. You mentioned him. He goes to Denver. You pair him up with Cortland Sutton and Noah Fant and Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay. I mean, how impressive is this Denver Broncos offense?
1: And and Hamler,
0: and KJ Hamler, yes,
1: from from Penn State, who is an absolute burner.
0: There's Hamler and and Jordan. Don't forget the defense as well. Vic Fangio's second year running that defense. You add AJ Boya. You add Jarrell Casey. This is this this team is no joke.
1: Yeah, the 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 defense is going to be better. You talked about Gordon. Um, I think it really all comes down to Drew Locke and. We mentioned uh, Mike Tannenbaum the other day. He he told me before the draft two years ago how much he loved Drew Locke, and I didn't buy it. I didn't see it. But he played well enough last year for me to say, you know, he took over for Flacco that he really could be the future. And he's going to have every – they're not – tell you this much. John Elway is is basically saying there's no way that Drew Locke's going to fail because I picked him, and I'm going to give him every opportunity to succeed, and I don't blame him. So, you know, Judy a, is a pretty much a complete receiver – he was considered, a. he is considered just an, an elite route runner. So I'm I'm excited to see that offense. And like you said, the defense should be better.
0: Yep, Jordan, keep this in mind. Last year, Drew Locke started five games. He won four of them. The only loss came to the Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs. You can't fault him for that. I really like what Denver has done this offseason. I tweeted about it a few times during draft week because I like it that much. And remember, there's an extra playoff spot in each conference next year, so I would not be shocked at all if the Broncos are one of those teams who make it to the playoffs with that wild card spot in the AFC. Now let's move on to pick number 16 in the a- in, in the draft where the Atlanta Falcons, who many thought would trade up, they stay put, they take a cornerback, AJ Terrell. You know Thomas Dimitrov pretty well. What did you think about that pick? I felt like it might have been a reach. What did you think about it? Was it a reach for you? Uh no. So listen,
1: I I had told you that I didn't think necessarily that Atlanta would would trade up. Um and I'm sure they explored it. The interesting part about the interesting part about AJ Terrell is that there were some mixed – there were a lot of mixed uh, views on him. Some people thought he's a pro bowler in, like, year three, year two kind of guy, and others thought he was, like, a too much of a project. So I'm more – I like A.J. Terrell. I think he fills the need. Obviously, uh, you know, Trufant was is gone, and they have not been able to guard on the perimeter at all in that division, and you need to do so. And, um, listen, he's a guy that has been – One of the best players on one of the best defenses over the last two years. And I think the fact that he's got great speed, you know, he ran a four, four size six, one, which is the kind of corner DB that Dan Quinn loves. Um, And the fact that, you know, he can be someone right away that, that, that not only starts, but I, I, I believe he can be a productive player in year one, which is again, what you really do need if you're Atlanta right now, they've had so many issues to corner. So, I, I like the pick. I mean, he you know he's got to work on tackling, and he he is a little bit more raw than some of these other corners. But like Dimitrov said, you know, full picture wise, he came and played in the biggest games, and I think he'll do that. Um, you know, at, at Atlanta for Atlanta.
0: Yeah, and the Falcons really, they need him to be productive in year one just because now you have Tom Brady in the division. You do have Drew Brees with another wide receiver in Emmanuel Sanders. So The Falcons are hoping that he could be productive in year one. Last one here in the first round, Jordan. We have to talk about this. Jordan Love to the Packers in the first round for a team that was one game away from the Super Bowl last year. What do you think about Green Bay going quarterback in the first round?
1: Yeah, I was stunned. Stunned. Not only did they go quarterback, Ari, but straight up. up four picks to get him. And I've talked about this a lot over the last few days and hopefully not at too much nausea, but you know, to get Jordan Love is one thing, because I do think he's a really good prospect. But what are you telling Aaron Rodgers? You know, like he, he said he's 36. He says he wants to play into his 40s. You know, Drew Brees is 41. They draft a center. And they don't even, New Orleans didn't even need a center. They don't even need a lineman, but they did it for him. You know, I, I look at what Green Bay has done and they just like he said Rodgers they haven't drafted a skill position player during his entire tenure there and now they go out and get his potential heir apparent just didn't make any sense to me and I like Matt LeFleur um, um, I like Green Bay's generally They're, the way they evaluate skill has always been really they always been one of the premier uh, you know evaluating talent teams in the league and again Jordan Love is a really good prospect but Aaron Rodgers needs help I love Aaron Jones. Adams is really good, but they need another receiver. Also, when you think about like the you know the whole the whole the whole idea in the NFL is like you know if you if you if you're a win now if you can win now that's what you do. Like there's not a lot of windows when you have, especially when you think about Green Bay. Like they, I don't know. I have always felt like under Mike McCarthy that they, that they I don't want to say wasted him, but they did not maximize all of Aaron Rodgers. I know they won a Super Bowl, but I don't think taking his heir apparent, his replacement, when your window is now to win a championship. Like you said, they were right there last, uh, last year. I just didn't get it at all.
0: Yeah, l- listen, I understand the pick. I understand where Green Bay is coming from. They've done this before when Brett Favre was there. Aaron Rodgers is older than Brett Favre when they drafted Rodgers in 2005. But my problem is, first of all, Rodgers is not you know contemplating retirement the way Brett Favre did. Secondly, Aaron Rodgers is in a big contract. He has a big contract, which you cannot get out of right now. And then thirdly is the fact that they were one game away from the Super Bowl last year. Why not add another piece for Aaron Rodgers, especially since you haven't done it in the first round in so long? Why not add another piece for him? And, you know, this is the other thing that really annoys me is the fact that Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, their two running backs, are both in the final year of their deal. So you should be adding more pieces while they're still on their rookie contract before you're gonna to have to pay one of them. Why not continue to add another piece? Draft a wide receiver. They didn't draft a single wide receiver in the entire draft in a wide receiver class that was considered one of the best in recent memories. So I didn't I listen, I understand where you're coming from. I we both agree Jordan Love is a great talent. He needs some time. But when you're so close and you have such a good team, it is a bit hard to understand. So that is my problem with the Jordan Love pick. Let me ask you some general questions here, Jordan. Which team for you had the best draft out of all the teams?
1: Um, Best draft? I mean, Baltimore had a great draft. Like, First of all, they. for me, and I did a video on this, so hopefully people can check it out on Instagram and Twitter, about J.K. Dobbins. For me, J.K. Dobbins, is the perfect compliment to Lamar Jackson. Why? Because he's 4-4 athletic. I mean, the guy's 41-inch vertical. His shuttle was 409. Over 2,000 yards already last year at Ohio State. 23 mm-hmm. touchdowns, 7 yards of carry. And his best football was with Justin Fields. You know, when they had Haskins, who's kind of like a Flacco, slow, Big Ben guy, he was he a was good player. But then they bring in Fields, and he's dominant. Now you pair him with Lamar Jackson, who's even more dynamic than Fields. And I think He'll be a great complement to Ingram. He's similar in style, but he's faster. Ingram's 30. And then you think about what Baltimore did, bringing in Devin DuVernay out of Texas, who is a really explosive guy. And I think, again, in another draft, w- would have been a much higher pick. But had Sam Ellinger thrown to him, who was a good quarterback but not accurate, probably left a lot of plays on the table as a result. I love that pick in the third round. And then, I mean, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about uh, James Prochette at SMU. Six-round pick, another really productive guy who's going to play right away. And I know I'm forgetting Um, Oh, Patrick Queen. Patrick Queen. I mean, Patrick Queen out of LSU. Like, all that guy did was make plays. And he did it at, at the highest possible level. You know, he's, he's a national champion, made a ton of plays against Clemson and Oklahoma. Um, I love the Ravens draft. I think they hit a home run.
0: Yep, and you have the same exact answer that Dane burglar gave me right before you on the podcast. So both of you are on the same page with the Baltimore Ravens. Last one here for you, Jordan. Before I let you go, I need one team in the NFL that for you is the up and coming team after you got to see what they did in free agency and what they did here in the draft.
1: Oh well, I mean Tampa. I guess you know. I mean that that's kind of too obvious. So like everybody can say it's that. it's hilarious.
0: I mean, Yo, Dane said the same thing. <laughs> Uh, that's crazy.
1: I mean, yeah, Dane's awesome. I, I think he does a great job. Um, I already talked about Denver. Oh, San Francisco. I I, yeah. I, I gave I gave him an A. Um, I, you know, Brandon Ayuk at Arizona State, someone that we had highlighted, I think, earlier. He's he's got super after after the catch ability. I think he was like seven yards post post catch. Really like strong receiver, even though he's not doesn't have like that six three frame. And Kinlaw to me was an A-plus, you know, his story, the way he's overcome adversity. I think he's like 6'5", 264. He measures out everywhere on and off the field. And they – listen, do they need a defensive tackle? No, but it's a they're, they're fortifying that line, which you need to do in that division. You need to do that in the NFL these days. You've got to have pass rushers and you got to have interior defensive linemen. So um, And then obviously getting Trent Williams when Joe Staley retires, who's an all-decade Hall of Famer was just a great move by John Lynch. So I, I like I like San Francisco a lot.
0: Yeah, Jordan, I know you have to go, but what the 49ers did this offseason was so impressive to me. When they have to trade the Farts Buckner, they were not going to pay him $21 million a year. You trade him, you get a first-round pick, you use that pick to draft his replacement, Javon Kinlaw. Then, your other first-round pick, you draft Brendan Ayuk, who for Kyle Shanahan was his best receiver in this draft. He comes in he's going to replace Emmanuel Sanders. Then, the biggest one for me, which was so impressive, Joe Staley told them a week ago that he was going to retire. They made sure that news does not leak out to the public and it stays private. They trade for Trent Williams and then they allow the Joe Staley news to break. It is so impressive to me what John Lynch has done since coming there as a general manager for a guy who was in the television booth calling games for Fox to come in and take over a team. I don't know if they're an up-and-coming team because they just made it to the Super Bowl, but what he's been able to build with Kyle Shanahan is just so impressive to me, and what they did over the weekend was really, really impressive for me.
1: Absolutely, absolutely, and they have Debo Samuel. They also traded Brita. Um, Obviously, Moser's there. Um, and Tevin Coleman's still there, right?
0: Yep. What John Lynch did in this draft, considering that he had no experience as a general manager, is so impressive. I love it. It's unbelievable.
1: I, I totally agree. Unbelievable. And you know, it, it, we've seen a lot of young GMs do some really good things. Obviously, we talked about Douglas. I love what Brandon B did again in Buffalo. Um, you know, some really good young GMs. And John John Lynch obviously is. I mean he's quickly like they they almost won a super bowl there's no reason to think why San Francisco under John Lynch is is not going to be a contender for a, for a very long time.
0: A hundred percent. I cannot say it enough. I love what the 49ers did. They have a lot of smart people in that organization from John Lynch to Kyle Shanahan, Adam Henry, Parag Marate, smart people making smart decisions. Again, I love what they did. Jordan, I appreciate you coming on the podcast again. We're going to have you on again very soon. Keep up the great work and we'll stay in touch.
1: My pleasure, Ari. And as always, if anybody needs help, reach out to me. I'll do what I can.
0: So there it is, our two guests for this week's episode. Special thanks to both of them, to Jordan Schultz of ESPN, to Dane Brugler of The Athletic. Make sure you follow both of them on Twitter. Both of them put out great football content. It is at Schultz underscore report for Jordan. For Dane, it is at DP Brugler. That is at D P B R U G L E R. That does it for this week's My Sports Update Football Podcast. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for downloading. If you have not done so yet, make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. All of that is greatly appreciated. With the draft in the books. I do expect free agency to pick up a little bit at some point, we had Jameis Winston signing with the Saints or agreeing to terms with the Saints recently, Jadavion Clowney is still on the market, Marcus Golden is still on the market, Logan Ryan is still on the market, and we also might see some cuts picking up as well as teams try to figure out their rosters, so make sure you have the notifications on for the My Update Twitter account. I am your host, Ari Marev. I'll be back with another episode next week. Until then, stay safe. Keep doing all the things that doctors and experts telling us to do. I'm telling you, it is going to come to an end sooner rather than later. Together, we will all get through this pandemic. We will hopefully have a full football season as well. I'll talk to you all next week. All the best.